podcasting from my sex writing cave where all the smut happens in real life, in my head, or on paper, this is The Smutlancer Show, a weekly podcast where we discuss writing and creating content about sex and getting paid to do it. I'm your host and fellow Smutlancer, Kayla Lords. Welcome to episode three. This week, we're talking about dealing with shame and vulnerability as a creative person, whether you write or create in other ways about sex. If this is your first time listening, glad to have you. If you're back for another week, welcome back. The Smutlancer podcast is produced every week and show notes are found at thesmutlancer.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Smutlancer. This week's episode is brought to you by Blueberry, a podcasting hosting solution that makes podcasting affordable and easy. If you're thinking of creating great audio content and want a plugin that integrates with your website and offers great analytics, check out Blueberry. I use Blueberry for this podcast and the Loving BDSM podcast, and it's easy, affordable, and has great tech support, believe me. I have used them many, many times. Use the code Kayla Lords, all one word, to get one month free to try it out for yourself. Again, that's blueberry, B-L-U-B-R-R-Y.com and use code Kayla Lords for one month free. Okay, let's get into the show. So it's kind of strange timing that I wanted to discuss some of my thoughts on shame and vulnerability on the exact same day I had a very uh, shame-filled and vulnerable, vulnerable-filled, vulnerability, vul- lots of vulnerability um, session with my therapist. So I, I do see a therapist usually for my anxiety, but for all kinds of other reasons. There are a million and one reasons you can see a therapist. And um, I finally started saying things that I hadn't ever actually said out loud before. And um, you know you've you've done something good, but that you are probably going to be very exhausted when you're done, when your therapist is proud of you. <laughs> when they're like, look at us, we're making a breakthrough. Yes, why am I so tired? So um, it's it's ironic. I did not plan it this way. Maybe, maybe it's because this topic has been on my mind for a while. Um, so I mentioned in a previous podcast that, or previous episode, I should say, that I've been reading a lot of Brene Brown recently. And I first learned of her through a TED talk um, that she gave several years ago um, on shame. I will link to that in the show notes page if you haven't seen it. And she is a shame researcher. She studies people and how we deal with feelings of shame and how we react to shame. And I I read her books a little out of order. So the first one I read was is called Daring Greatly. And it's about the power of vulnerability. And we think of vulnerability as a, a weakness when it's really an act of strength and courage. Because to be vulnerable, if you think about it in the animal kingdom, you know, a vulnerable animal to show that they trust you will bear their neck or bear their belly, right? And and you um, are free to then potentially harm them. Well, when we share our innermost thoughts and we make ourselves vulnerable, we're sort of opening ourselves up in the same way. Well, that was the book I read first and it it made me smile in a lot of ways. It made me have these moments where I went, aha, yes, I, I get these things. And then after I read that one, I read um, her book about her shame research called I Thought It Was Just Me. 
And that was based off the thinking that all of us sort of think it's just us when we feel small and awful and horrible and we're just filled with shame. Um, we do tend to think it, it's us. Um, and her premise in her um, book on shame um, was that shame is about a loss of connection, about a fear of not being connected to our, our fellow human being. Um, and vulnerability, which is what came out of her shame research, um, and that's, like I said, what she talked about in Daring Greatly, that is about our power and our ability to connect. Well, I don't think it takes, you know, a PhD in anything to make a connection, an immediate and clear leap from shame and vulnerability and sex. And in her her book, um, I thought it was just me. She does. She she points out 12 places where we can feel shame. And one of those 12 is about sex. Now she is not somebody who writes about sex. She does not focus on sex. So in that book, she really only gave kind of a cursory look at it. And it was primarily, um, about how that particular research focused solely on women. Um, and it was about how women feel shame about being seen naked or, um, not wanting sex when they think they should, or wanting sex when they're sort of told they're not supposed to. And any feel bad feeling you've personally ever had about sex, it's probably somebody out there feels it too. And they, they feel ashamed. Um, and her, her book is great for talking about how to, you can't overcome shame. You can never get to a point where you don't feel shame at all. What she says is that what we learn how to do is to have what she calls shame resilience. So when a thing happens that could make you feel shame, instead of that, you um, process your emotions, you think about how you feel, you come up with a, a better and more accurate uh, look at what's really happening. Um, you create connections with people that you can reach out to and, and help you get a better look um, at what's actually happening and they help give you perspective. Um, so we never completely overcome uh, our ability to feel shame. And in, she says, in some ways, we might have shame resilience um, on some things and not on others. It's we're like everything else we do as human beings, we're a constant work in progress. So um, the whole book, um, I thought it was just me by Brene Brown about shame is well worth a read. There were a few exercises in it um, about sort of figuring out where you feel your own um type of shame and, and what fills you with shame, if anything, which truly we all have at least something that fills us with a minor amount of shame. Um, she does discuss um, the difference between shame and guilt. Um, shame being when something bad happens, shame is I am awful, I am a bad person, I am nothing. Whereas when it's guilt, it's I did a bad thing and I, I, I did this thing. It's about your actions, not who you are as a person. So that was a fascinating read. Daring Greatly just lifted me up. Daring Greatly in very strange ways sort of validated, without meaning to, I guess is what I mean, validated everything I've ever done as somebody who writes about her personal sex life. Um, because every time I sit down at the keyboard and I want to share some bit of my life on whichever, you know, when whichever space I'm in, 
it, it's an act of vulnerability. I am, I am bearing a part of myself. And if somebody wanted to rip up me apart about it, they could. Um, I thankfully am knocking on wood here, have been very fortunate that does not happen, but it does happen to people a lot. So reading both of these books, and I actually have another one of her books um, in my stack of books to read. I always have a stack going. Um, uh, I wanted to, I, it, it was so clear it was about, it could, there was something to be said about what we do as, as people who create content about sex and shame and vulnerability. I just had to talk to you about it. I don't want to rehash both of her books. I certainly encourage you to, um, read them. Uh, I will link to, um, them on Amazon, which will be an affiliate link if you'd like to purchase your books through Amazon, but wherever you get books, or if you're like me and you go to the library, um, first do that, but I, I highly recommend them. But I want us to talk about these concepts of shame and vulnerability in terms of what we do. And not just the fact that we are talking about sex and kink and BDSM and gender and, and some very sensitive topics, topics that get people riled up, okay? There are entire websites and social media outlets about the evils of masturbation, okay? There are people who devote their life to trying to convince other people how evil masturbation is. So put our content about masturbation in a room with those people and they're gonna probably trigger some shame for us at some point, even without even necessarily trying, right? Somebody um, who writes about it still feels a little weird about it and so therefore say the wrong word and it's it's going, you know, that writer or that podcaster or that creative um, is going to feel shame and they shouldn't and we know they shouldn't, but it still happens. So I wanted to talk about it on two, from two perspectives. One is the sex that we like to talk about. And then the other side is as a writer. So on, on the, the topic of sex, I think it's, it's probably pretty obvious for most people. This isn't true for everybody, but it's certainly true for a lot of people I've met. Many, including myself, we came to the world of sex and pleasure and orgasms and masturbation and kink and whatever our thing is relatively late in life. I mean, I have met more than my fair share of people who like me did not really start exploring their own sexuality until they were in their thirties. You know, sometimes we go, it's a divorce or it's a death or it's some major change in our lives. And we sort of say, okay, enough's enough. I've got to do something different. For me, I got dumped. (laughs) I got dumped by a guy I really liked and he didn't like the fact that I would not orgasm. Um, and there's a whole story there and I probably did not think about it in the right way, but it got me to the right result where uh, one, I do not have problems orgasming now. Two, I understand my sexuality a lot better than I ever did before him. Um, and three, it started me on this journey where I sort of bear my my whole sex life to strangers on the internet. Um, And for me, the only thing that would potentially make me feel shame that I'm aware of, because sometimes we can be, we can have a shame trigger that we're just not even aware of, um, would be if my family read it and I knew they read it. So my family knows I write about sex for a living. Um, That came out in a a very personal sort of wild way um, in early uh, 2017. 
they don't know my pin name. They do not know me as Kayla Lords. Um, but I have warned them. I warned them very recently that I'm becoming more active on social media. And so it is very possible that the very friendly algorithms with Facebook and Instagram might suggest me to them. I said, and you'll know that name and you'll know that picture the moment you see it. I'm family. You've, you've known me my whole life. My, the name Kayla Lords is just a bastardization of my real name. Um, helps me feel still very much like myself. Um, so I had to tell them, I said, if you figure out that name and you get curious, uh, you cannot tell me. And it threw them off a little bit, but I said, if I know you are reading these things, I will not write in the same way. And while it is certainly something I should work on, a shame trigger is not something you want to keep. Feeling shame is not how we want to be. The idea of my family knowing that much about my sex life absolutely fills me with shame. Absolutely fills me with shame. Now that goes back to my childhood um, and how my family dealt with sex, which is we did not. The one or two times I asked about sex, I was told, we do not talk about that. So that probably explains why I would have been in my 30s before I had a first orgasm, right? I mean, it sort of makes sense. So that's my experience and that's my shame trigger. And I thankfully am aware of it so I can guard against it. I can try and protect myself from it. And at some point, yes, I do need to work on that. Um, But vulnerability was also never really an issue for me. And I think it's because I gave myself permission to hide behind a name that wasn't me. And for probably the first year and a half, I hid behind an avatar that didn't even look like a person. It was so clearly not me that I had anonymity and I could say the things I wanted to say. And if somebody was mean to me on the internet, they weren't being mean to me, to my face where I had to look at them. And I could, maybe I'd feel bad, but I could ignore them. They couldn't really touch me, I told myself, and they couldn't really hurt me, I lied to myself. Um, And so being vulnerable in that way where I just talked about it and I said, yeah, I've never had an orgasm, but here we go, I'm gonna tell you about the first time I masturbated. It was difficult in, in that these kinds of things usually are more difficult than we realize they will be, um, but it wasn't impossible. It was a moment where I learned that I could connect with others. And that's the power of vulnerability. It creates connection. You have to leave yourself open to some potential hurt, some potential um, bad feeling, somebody trying to make you feel ashamed, even though you don't need to feel ashamed. Um, And when it works out well, you create this beautiful connection where you feel a part of something. Um, And the thing that allows me to keep talking very openly about my sexual habits is because of that connection. It's because for every time I think when I sit at the keyboard and I'm looking at my screen, I'm like, do I really wanna hit publish on this? I remember that there will be, because it's happened over the past several years, um, there will be somebody who reads it and says, that's how I feel too. And it won't be the same person every time. You know, not everything you write hits everybody the same way, even your most loyal readers. Um, So it'll be somebody different. And they'll say, oh, I've felt that way. Or they'll say, oh, I've experienced that. And we've created a connection. And so then there was a reward for my vulnerability. So I think understanding the concepts of shame and vulnerability doesn't just help us talk about our 
experience with sex and kink and BDSM and gender and all the things that come under it, right? It also helps us understand how people react to us. So if we are all still responsible for our actions and our, our good, nice ways and our ugly, mean ways. So when somebody throws out internet hate at you because they just detest the fact that you read about sex, understanding that they might have a shame trigger that they're not aware of doesn't excuse the behavior, okay? They're still in the wrong for it and they are still responsible for the choices they make, but it might help you move past the bad feeling that kind of hate can give you if you tell yourself they probably are projecting some stuff at me. This is not about me. This is about them. You know, maybe they were taught at a very young age that sex was wrong or sex was bad or that kind of sex was wrong, or they just have their own internal feelings that they're not dealing with. Um, and you are the target because you're the one talking about this thing that makes them feel shame. Now, again, That's not an excuse for how they talk or how they behave out there in the world of internet hate. It's not okay. It's not cool. I don't care what their reasons are. But if it helps you sleep a little bit more at night, if it helps you let go of those ugly, mean, awful comments to realize that, then I think that it's a useful bit of knowledge. So that's the other part of uh, Dr. Brown. I get to say Dr. Brown, Brene Brown's. research on shame is that we have different ways of of behaving when we feel shame. Some of us, and this is definitely me, um, we become very quiet. We go inward. We we turn our our loathing inward. We don't lash out at anybody. We're too busy um, being mean to ourselves. Other people just push it down, repress, act like nothing's wrong. And then of course it comes out in different ways. Um, some people have, you know, the, there's the fight or flight response. Some people have the fight response and they get angry at other people. You know, we've, we've all probably heard the thing of projection. You know, if they're, they're yelling at me about this thing, are they looking at their own actions? Well, it's the same in shame. They yell at you or they hate you or they dislike you for this thing that they perceive that you're doing that's wrong. And it's because they perceive it as wrong for themselves. They are ashamed that they want to do it or have done that as well. So it's a, it's a fascinating, fascinating thing. And it, like I said, definitely recommend reading that book. So that's on the actual sex side of things. And that, that's one side of it. And, and writing about sex and creating content about sex puts us right at the intersection between shame and vulnerability, ours and other people's. You know, when you have a commenter that says me too, right? And they, they even if it's their um, pseudonym and they're still kind of anonymous, they're still putting themselves out there and being vulnerable back at you. And that is the really cool thing about vulnerability is that when you make that connection, You've been vulnerable and you connected with another human being. And in order to make that connection, they were vulnerable back at you. Um, It's something that should be honored and um, respected when it happens. Um, It's why I think that as uh, online creators, we need to be very careful about how we handle comments. Um, When somebody takes your really personal moment and tells you their personal moment in return, you know, be careful about how you uh, 
respond back. Not everybody responds to internet comments and that's okay too. That's a whole other philosophy we can talk about on a whole other episode. But if you are the type to respond to your comments on your blog or wherever they may appear and you are hearing somebody else kind of say their version of me too in response to your vulnerability, um, be kind with that because it's, it's an opportunity to make a connection and to make a difference in somebody's life. And it's an honor and it's a responsibility. So, but that's on the sex side and that's half of it for us um, as smut lancers. The other half is the, our, our actual ability to create content and put ourselves out there. So I'll give myself as the example, but this is, I'm not the only one because I recently saw it with another blogger. So on my blog, kaylalords.com, I write about what I call kinky fuckery. And I usually write about my own kinky fuckery, very little of it anymore, probably since maybe 2015, definitely 2016, very little of it is fiction. Very little of it is fantasy. It's mostly, these are the things I think, these are the things that are happening in my life. Um, and I wrote primarily about sex. I wrote about my BDSM relationship with my husband. I, you know, that's what I did. And I still do, that has not stopped. But in 20, um, gosh, late 2016 and now 2017, I've, I've been dealing with um, mental health diagnoses, you know, generalized anxiety disorder and social anxiety and bipolar and all these things. And there's been a lot on my mind and it hits me and I'm now aware of these things. I'm out of a, a crisis point that I was in. My way to process my feelings and my thoughts is to write them out. And I wanted to write about my mental health in my blog, except I told myself, and I don't know why I told myself this, that on my personal blog, I could not write about my anxiety. I couldn't write about being bipolar because people come to my blog for the sex. So wouldn't I just bore them or chase them off or whatever? Thankfully, I had a little talking to with myself and I said, self, you put your name in the URL. It's kaylalords.com. It is all about kaylalords.com. Write whatever's in your damn head. I told myself I'd do it the one time and then if it didn't work, if nobody cared, if I got hate for it, maybe I wouldn't do it again. Well, I did do it and I immediately connected with readers I hadn't heard from in ages, if ever, with, again, like we were talking about earlier, their version of Me Too. And it was a moment where I'm not ashamed of having um, mental illness of any sort. I'm, I'm not ashamed of it. I know I'm somebody who's fortunate that I'm high functioning, but it's not it's not a shame trigger for me. But talking about it makes me vulnerable. And that was difficult. So several weeks later, after I had realized that I have people almost begging me to please talk about this because they were experiencing it, but in the things they were reading and the, the content they were consuming, they were not hearing people like them talk about it. So they were thankful and grateful and they asked me to talk about it more. And that made it easier to do. So I was fortunate in that. Well, several fast forward several weeks and another um, blogger who does primarily sex toy reviews, but, but she writes about other things as well. She was going through the same thing and I'm not sure if it was her mental health or her physical health, but she had a whole blog post she wanted to publish and she really wasn't sure if she should. She went out on Twitter and asked for advice and I, you know, several people chimed in. I was one of them and I said, I think you should, you know, it's, it's good for you. It's good for your readers. You do not know who you will help. You do not know who you will connect with. And so then she did. And she, I think she had a similar experience to mine where all of the, the response she got was positive. 
and she got that same kind of connection where somebody else felt safe enough to be vulnerable with her back, you know, in response to say, yeah, I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I have that same mental illness or I have that same physical illness or whatever it is. Um, she created that connection between her and other people that she did not have before. My point to that is it's not just about mental illness. It's not just about physical disability. It's not, it's about whatever makes you kind of feel that feeling of vulnerability before you share your vulnerable thing is kind of the other side of shame. There is sometimes a feeling of shame. There is also a feeling of worry of what if I put this out there and somebody makes me feel shame and somebody makes me feel bad and what if that's what happens now in daring greatly and she said publicly i've i now sort of i don't stalk her on youtube but if i see a brene brown video on youtube i'm most likely going to hit play um Brene Brown talks a lot about how not everybody deserves your vulnerability. Like when you're going to share that super secret thing, you want to think about who you're sharing it with. Now, to a certain extent, that's very true. If we are talking one-on-one, there's certain things I'm not, there's certain people in my life, they're not going to hear those things. They don't deserve that. They cannot yet or ever because of past experience be trusted with that vulnerable part of me. In the online space where just the act of starting a blog and talking about even one part of your life is already an act of vulnerability, which is also an act of courage. Um, And I didn't make that up. Brene Brown says it, so it must be true. Um, I think it's a little different. I think that you are still in total control of what you want to put out into the world, what you want to share with your audience in whatever way you create content. You get to say, no, we're not talking about that. Or yeah, I'll talk about it. So nobody should pressure you into talking about things that you are not comfortable talking about. So that's not what I'm trying to do here. What I'm trying to say is when you sit there and think to yourself, I really want to share this, but, and then you say, but, but can I, but should I, but what if it's not okay? Those are the times that I would tell you to hit publish. You know, as long as you are not breaking the anonymity of anybody else, as long as you are not telling secrets or lies on anybody else, as long as it is about you and you are the only one at stake here, right? Like you're not telling somebody else's story without their permission. You're not bad mouthing somebody else. This is all about you. When you're sitting there and you're looking at your content and it's whether it's a blog post or you're about to record some audio or who knows, Um, and you want to, but you're scared to, you want to, but you worry. Um, I say publish. If it's something you think, oh no, I'm not publishing that. That's not happening. Then it's not even up for debate. Think of it like a limit in your kink, right? And you're, you're a kinkster, you're into BDSM. We have soft limits. We have hard limits. We have things that aren't an issue at all. If the idea of publishing about a specific topic is a hard limit. It's a hard limit. It's not even up for freaking debate. Don't do it. But if it's a thing that you think I really would like to, but I'm scared, I would say do it even though it scares you. If you have even a handful of people in your audience that you know genuinely like your work, 
they will still genuinely like your work, you know, short of telling the whole world that you, um, you know, are cannibal and have a taste for, you know, infants, there's, there's almost nothing you're going to be able, you're going to publish that is going to turn your entire audience away from you. Can telling your truth turn a reader or two away who was like, yeah, that's not what I want. Yes, that can happen. But those people might not really have been meant to be part of your audience if that's what happens. You know, not you are not supposed to appeal to everybody. And the more you can share um, in ways that touch people on very real, authentic levels, you will figure out who your audience is. And if you're like me and you've been blogging or creating content for years and years and years, and you finally decided, hmm, maybe I should talk about this really hard thing I'm not uh, so sure about, you will find that passive readers or passive listeners that you've had for a long time that never reached out, they were like, yeah, you're good. I'll, I'll check you out when I can. They might become your most diehard fans because now they've connected to you in a completely different way. So shame, vulnerability, they're really big topics. They're things that we need to think about um, in the sex writing and content creating world. I highly recommend those two books by Brene Brown, Daring Greatly, and I thought it was just me. Links will be in the show notes. Um, definitely check it out. And, you know, I, I said when we've started the this whole show that I wanted you to walk away, hopefully, with some sort of actionable item at the end of every show. I guess the only actionable item I can think of is when you're when you worry about that thing you want to publish that maybe it's too much or you're exposing too much of yourself, when it's fear that holds you back and not that you've hit a limit um, on what you will and won't publish, but when it's fear, I say publish anyway because you do not know who you will connect to. Okay, that's it for me. Thanks for listening to the Smut Lancer podcast with me, Kayla Lords. If you like what you just heard, please leave a review on your favorite podcast app and check out the blog, past episodes, and other great info at thesmutlancer.com. You can follow The Smut Lancer on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I'm at The Smut Lancer in all three places. Feel free to reach out there or by email at Kayla at thesmutlancer.com with questions or topic suggestions. Thanks for listening, y'all, and let's do this again next week. Mm-hmm.